Welcome back to the Fully Nourished Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Ash, functional nutritionist and integrative health coach, coming to you with a scientific and spiritual exploration of what it looks like to awaken our feminine radiance by becoming deeply and fully nourished in a world that wants to dull us down. You ready? As a reminder, everything in this podcast is for education and inspiration only and is not intended as medical advice. Please talk to the appropriate professional when necessary, and please use common sense before making any changes to your diet and lifestyle. Hello. So I thought I would start this episode just by calling myself out and say I'm going to be bringing something I like to call BLE today, which is big luteal energy. (laughs) It's been a running joke for years amongst a lot of you that you can tell when I'm in my luteal phase based on how snarky and feisty I am because I just show up quite a different way when I'm in my luteal phase. And you, you are normally correct. I mean, nine times out of 10, you guys call me out on when I'm in my luteal phase so much as I don't really ever have to to announce to the world what phase of my cycle I'm in you just you just guess it very very successfully so I thought I would just give you the BLE warning just so that you know <laughs> if I get a little feisty or a little snarky there's a reason why and today's episode is inspired there was this story I did a, a good amount of time ago I think it's definitely over a year ago now where I talked about a few aspects of our physiology as we begin to nourish our physiology and our fight or flight state begins to shift. And I want to talk about that today in regards to trauma a little bit, because I feel like healing trauma and this kind of focus on trauma has gotten really, really popular over the past couple of years. And for some reason, it feels like we're just becoming more and more unresilient as a society. Is it possible that our focus on our trauma is making us less resilient. And I want to talk about some real tangible reasons why that could be. So it is inspired by the journey highlight, but we're going to dive a little bit deeper in regards to what people are experiencing physiologically. But before we dive in, You probably noticed, but today is Tuesday, or when this episode is coming out, it's Tuesday. We're trying something a little bit new, trying to do some maybe shorter episodes twice a week versus doing that one long episode on Thursday. So I am doing it this week. We'll probably do it next week. And let us know how you like it. Obviously, we... Uh, love feedback. And I really love to know what you like and how you like to listen to the podcast. So if you prefer this format, let us know because I'm happy to do it for you. And I've been getting so many questions about my teeth and why they're so white in those exact words. And I wish I had a better answer for you besides just, I think it's because I've just been oil pulling for so long now. It's almost been a decade since I've started consistently oil pulling and I almost do it every single morning. So every day when I wake up without fail, I make my jug of water, which I don't, it is a jug. It's this, I saw this really cool, like Italian mason jar one day at TJ Maxx. And I I have to say, like, I am a TJ Maxx stan. Like, I just, oh, I love TJ Maxx. But there was this Italian mason jar jug thing that I was just like, I love it. And I don't know if it's a liter or what. It's pretty big, but I don't know. I feel like a liter would be a little too large. But anyways, every morning, Without fail, I put like two big pinches of salt at the bottom of this jug, and then I fill it with very, very warm water about halfway, maybe a little less than halfway, and then I fill the rest with room temperature water until it hits a very nice, warm, 
drinkable temperature. And then I will put like a squeeze of lime or a squeeze of lemon in there. And I drink that every morning without fail. And I don't really sip on it, but like I do, I don't want to say I chug it, but I definitely get it down pretty quickly because what I'm after with that is not only hydration, which I think is really important. And I feel like people in the pro metabolic space have completely lost sight of how important it is to stay hydrated. Yes. I feel like we as a wellness community are moving towards understanding that it is important to be mineralized. Of course, we don't want to be chugging gallons of water with absolutely no minerals in them. There's more to hydration than just the water or the H2O itself. There's many aspects of the hydration, but heavens like did we forget that water is important to drink and we do need to stay hydrated <laughs> there is a fine line between chugging gallons of water a day that it has have no minerals in it and like not drinking any water and what i'm after in the morning is not only hydrating and i like to use warm water to wake up the digestive tract but also when your stomach fills up it stretches and it stimulates something called the gastrocolic reflex. And a lot of people don't realize, but there's this like ligament and fascia, there's tissue that's connected throughout the whole digestive tract. And so when the stomach stretches, it almost sends a signal all the way down the digestive tract to stimulate peristalsis or a bowel movement. And so the jug of water, <laughs> my, my beautiful jug of water is doing a few different things for me. It's hydrating me. It's waking up my digestive tract with that nice warm water. It's giving me a nice, some, some nice salt that has other minerals in it as well. I'm getting some nice kidney flushing from the citrus juice, but I'm also getting that gastrocolic reflex to kind of just like stimulate the whole digestive tract to start moving. And I really, really like it. But not to get too off track, after I do that simple jug of water, I um, will put a spoonful of coconut oil in my mouth and swish it. Now, I think people sometimes treat coconut oil pulling as swishing mouthwash, and that's not actually the way that it's supposed to be done. I like to actually practice the pulling, which is the pushing and pulling through the crevices of the teeth to keep the coconut oil kind of at the front of the mouth. I know it has a really nice impact on the oral microbiome, but in fact, I actually like to keep it more towards my teeth and I will actually push and pull and push and pull, keeping it kind of on my gums and in between my lips and into my teeth. And I have done that now for a really long time. I remember when I first started doing it and how sore my mouth would get and my, my gums and my lips or not my gums, but my cheeks and my lips. And, um, I think it's just cause it's almost like this nice little, little workout for the mouth, but that's the primary thing I can think of. I do water flossing just with normal, regular warm water. I'll either use an electric toothbrush or just a regular toothbrush. I like to use the the brands of toothpaste I like to use are either like Uncle Harry's or Boca or something like that. But I tend to use Uncle Harry's a lot. And I do use a xylitol-based mouthwash and chew xylitol-based gum. So that's kind of like my oral routine in a nutshell. But today's episode is about what I think is the missing piece to a lot of people being stuck in this vicious cycle of healing their trauma. And I think it's having a chain reaction on us, specifically as women. I know I'm not discounting men's part in this as well. I just think that there are some unique aspects to women that we sometimes forget. And it's just creating an overall lack of resilience, lack of stress resilience. We are almost becoming 
more unresilient as a society rather than less. And there's a reason why. So if we actually look at this kind of rise in trauma awareness and rise in this idea of nervous system healing, we can call it, I feel like it really started to pick up when 2020 hit. I feel like a lot of us were living in a state of constant fight or flight, but we were kind of in this autopilot mode, it felt like, where we were just hustle, hustle, go, go, go. And it was just a cycle over and over again. It was like, just keep moving or you'll fall down. Whereas then once we all had to slow down and kind of everything came to a halt, we became much more aware of our patterns of behavior. And recognizing like, here I am, I'm slowing down, my stress is a lot lower, yet internally, I just feel such immense amounts of stress and pressure. I'm stuck in these survival patterns. I'm stuck in these anxious and stressful patterns, and it feels like I can't get out of them. And so then it led to us realizing like, oh, wow, I have some patterns of behavior that really aren't serving me and are actually probably something that I developed from a long time ago that I don't really need to have anymore. I've had some experiences that have shifted and shaped me, but that kind of started to metamorphosize and turn into this obsession with trauma. And I feel like over the years, almost every hard experience we've ever had is now being referred to as trauma, that going through an experience that is difficult or brings painful feelings or is hard is now being considered trauma. And I went through this too, where at first the idea of trauma almost like validated the experience and was like, yeah, that was hard. That was traumatic. Like, yeah, of course that shaped me. But over time, what I've realized, and this is something that I have personally had to go through because part of my hermit chapter, as you ladies have so lovingly called it, I'm going to just stick with that term because I really liked it, talked about that in last week's episode, where I went through this burnout. And it was just, it was more of like a spiritual and creative burnout that really flowed over into the physical. I had been nourishing for so many years and kind of dealing with small little patterns of behavior. But then what I tried to do was to just like dig into all my experiences and take this approach that so many people are taking right now, which is just like, I'm just going to dig deep and just rip the parts of myself out (laughs) that that have shaped me. And it very quickly became physically impactful. And I think that's what a lot of people underestimate is even when we become extremely nourished, and I think a lot of us go through that journey, right, where we start to just focus on meeting our basic biological needs. We start to basically nourish ourselves. We start to focus on biologically appropriate nutrition. We start to understand our own nature and our own physiology and start nourishing from that place. And that allows us to start really changing on a cellular level because once our body can create enough energy, it's really game over. It becomes a almost momentum-like approach that our cells become able to generate energy much better and much better. And over time, the cells really begin to shift the structure of the body. And I think that leads to a natural type of processing that the body goes through over time where the body often will put things into what I almost see as dormancy or put things away for later until the body has enough energy to process that thing. And so I think a lot of us have these stored experiences where we don't really We go through them at the time. It's almost like going through the motions, but we don't really 
fully accept how they've impacted us from a physical level, a spiritual level, an emotional level, or even just a personality level. And they're sitting there kind of just stored in our tissue waiting to be worked through. And so you kind of see this process as over time, as women begin to focus on their physical nourishment, and this happened to me as well, over time, you start to see like, wow, these experiences and processes are just kind of bubbling up. Like I'm almost becoming more and more of my behavior patterns that are keeping me in this survival state, in this fight or flight state. And it's almost like my body is asking me or giving me the opportunity to deal with them. But that is interesting to me because that's more of a body-led situation where the body starts to bring things up. And then it's like, okay, it's time to start working through these things. This is kind of my next step on my healing journey, if we want to call it that. But what we're seeing right now is people are recognizing their patterns of behavior that are holding them back. And they're kind of diving into this idea of like, I have to heal my trauma. It's almost like surgery-esque approach where we go from sometimes really truly being a victim at one point. I'm not denying that some of us go through extremely traumatic experiences. But What happens is we go from being a victim at one point and then taking that one experience that shifted and shaped us and kind of formed some patterns of behavior that we have still and we carry to this day. And we go from that to then becoming a victim of our own trauma. And, you know, you see this a lot with awareness, right? And this doesn't just happen with trauma. This happens with anything. We become hyper-focused on something and it almost becomes our whole reality. And we go from having that be just a part of us or an experience we're going through to that thing becoming a part of our identity. And so many of us right now are walking around because we're so hyper-fixated on our trauma. Now we've become a victim to our trauma. We went from being a victim at one time. We had one experience that has shaped us and shifted us. And I'm not downplaying that. But then what has happened is we now are carrying that physiologically as we're in this constant state of fight or flight because we're constantly marinating on something and it's constantly a part of our awareness and it's shaping our reality. And then if we're not careful, it actually will become a part of our identity. And like I said, this doesn't just happen with trauma. You see this happen with people who get diagnosed with diseases or I have been guilty of this so many times where, you know, I made PCOS a part of my identity or I made Hashimoto's a part of my identity or you see people make their dietary choices a part of their identity. Like we're very, we're somebody, (laughs) humans are very susceptible to doing this. But to me, it's a symptom of such a bigger problem. And the problem is that we don't have a strong sense of self. Like we don't know who we are at the very core of us. There's no confidence in who we are, what we stand for, what drives us, what our purpose is, what our nature is. We have a very weak sense of self. And so we operate and move through life in that way. And part of being healthy and part of healing is establishing a strong sense of self. That is why I teach you guys your nature, right? I think of it as kind of the three ends, which is nature, nourish, nurture, which is like you have to learn your feminine nature to be able to appreciate it and honor it. Then it's really important to nourish yourself towards something and to that nature. And then once you have nourished yourself, you're able to now nurture and not just nurture yourself, but nurture your family, nurture the people around you, nurture your community. 
it's kind of things that are constantly playing into one another. It's not like a three-step process. It's just these are all things that are kind of a part of creating and establishing a strong sense of self. If we don't understand ourselves or who we are or what we're created to do or be, like, I'm not going to have a strong sense of self. If I don't know how to take care of myself and I don't have good routines and patterns and don't know how to support my own body, like I'm not going to have a strong sense of self. If I don't nurture something else, I'm not going to have a strong sense of self because in in part, that's what gives our feminine energy purpose. Like in nurturing something, we are utilizing our feminine energy and it feeds our sense of self. But so many of us feel like that's so far away from our reality because so many of us are operating in this constant state of survival. And I do think that that's why so many of us do find we feel like when we start to heal our trauma, there's a reason there's like a aha, like, oh, finally, I figured out what's quote unquote wrong with me. And we attach ourselves to it because it explains something about our reality that we weren't aware of before. But what we have to understand about ourselves is being stuck in a state of survival goes so much deeper. And whether we're stuck in fight or flight or fawn or freeze mode, you know, whether you kind of subscribe to the polyvagal theory, which if you've seen the chart, the polyvagal chart at the bottom, you have this green place where it's like safety and stability, right? And this is where we as women, if we're in an, if we're operating in a balanced nervous system, you know, we'll be present, we'll be grounded, we'll be open-minded, we'll be curious, we'll be mindful, we'll have good time perception, right? It won't feel like we're rushed constantly or like there's never enough time in the day. In this place, we're not overly concerned with others' opinions, right? We're not constantly thinking like, what are they thinking of me? And what are they thinking of me? We're a little bit calmer. We're connected with others. We're just, we're at peace, right? And that's really where if we're in a balanced nervous system state, that's the parasympathetic state. That's where we're going to operate most of our time in, right? That kind of rest and digest mode. And then a healthy body is able to jump into fight or flight whenever is necessary. And that's really what we're typically taught is like our adrenal glands are pumping out stress hormones, right? Like cortisol and adrenaline. And it's a whole physiological shift because our blood flow changes, what we're focused on changes. But if we stay in that place for too long, that sympathetic nervous system state, that's really where a lot of us will find ourselves operating from if we're stuck in a state of survival, whether we're in that fight mode where we're kind of constantly frustrated, constantly angry, constantly ragey, right? Rage is a huge part of the fight we're irritable, we are addicted to drama, we constantly are just all about the fight. I find it so funny, like women love like reality TV where, you know, (laughs) there's so much drama all the time. And I feel like that sometimes we want to feel those feelings so bad. So it feeds us in some way. We'll have poor digestion in the state too, because our blood flow is flowing away from our digestive system. We'll also, you know, So that was the fight part of it, but we can also be in the flight part of it, right? Where we just like avoid constantly, you know, it like takes, (laughs) it takes months to text someone back. It's just too stressful or we just can't relax. We have to keep moving. We feel a lot of fear or worry or overwhelm or panic or concern. And obviously if we're jumping into that state to protect ourselves, like that's important, right? Because then we can jump back out and go right back into our parasympathetic balanced nervous system state. For a lot of us, we're not doing that. We're like staying in a constant state of fight or flight. And then we'll move into what is called within the polyvagal theory, 
the dorsal vagal, which is that freeze or shutdown mode. And that's when our body has become so exhausted from staying in fight or flight or that state of hypervigilance that we start to, our body starts to suppress itself and conserve energy. We have expended so many resources that now we're in a place of being checked out, hopeless, you know, constipated, obviously, because our gut is frozen. We maybe feel crippled, overwhelmed, confused, cold hands and feet, you know, we're, we're maybe numb, we feel helpless, or maybe we would consider ourselves depressed, or we're really disassociated, we feel a lot of shame, we feel that burned out feeling, right? Like, we just have expended so much energy, it's like, I have nothing left to give you. And that is where a majority of ourselves find ourselves, right? And so if we get some type of answer for why we feel this way, and it's something as simple of like trauma, and all I have to do is heal my trauma, of course we feel like, oh, I'll jump on that train, no problem. And it's interesting because when you look at the polyvagal theory, it really aligns with Hans Selye's gas theory, which is the general adaptation syndrome theory. This idea that people, when they're in a stress response, they first go into this like alarm phase, right? Which would be similar to jumping into your sympathetic nervous system. You go into that fight or flight state where your body's trying to expend resources to just survive. And then eventually you go to a place of resistance where your body's like trying to get back into a place of homeostasis, trying to get back to balance, trying to get back to the place of feeling good, the vortex of feeling good, but it can't. And so you get to a place of exhaustion, which would balance out similarly to the freeze shutdown mode or the dorsal vagal part of the polyvagal theory. So both Hans Selye's gas theory or the general adaptation syndrome and the polyvagal theory really, really align to bring us to where a majority of people are today. And I would say everyone is there, right? Both men and women. But women especially are just so physiologically burned out. And a lot of them are showing the physiological signs a little bit more than men. You know, men are burned out as well. Men are overwhelmed as well. Men are experiencing this as well. Their bodies are just a little bit more resilient to stress. And they also are, they tend to be a little less vocal about their struggles. And so it seems that they kind of just like suck it up, suck it up until it becomes too excruciating to deal with. But what we have to realize is when we're actively trying to quote unquote heal trauma, we're trying to bring balance back to the patterns of our nervous system. We're in a way retraining our patterns of behavior to react or to, I shouldn't even say react. I should say to respond properly to stressors. A lot of us are in such a state that we continuously react to stressors. Our body reacts before our mind can even catch up. And by the time our mind is there, our bodies are already responding as if it's a life or death situation, right? Because our patterns of behavior are trained in reaction due to our experiences and our previous experiences that have shaped us. But as we retrain our brains, we need to remember that our brains consume huge amounts of glucose. Our brains are consuming huge amounts of energy. And sometimes to bring ourselves back to a state of balance, you know, psychologically, nervous system wise, you know, our brain and our spinal cord and our enteric nervous system, which relies on our gut, are very physical systems. I think people sometimes forget that. Like they know that, but they don't always remember how 
energy consuming these systems are. And so when we're trying to bring balance and stability back to these systems, and we're trying to almost in a way force our body to process previous experiences before it's ready, which is what a lot of people are doing, which is why it feels like they're spinning their wheels or almost feels like they're getting worse and worse and worse. And it's because their nervous systems require energy, require fuel, require nutrients. And a lot of us are in the state of fight or flight in part because our bodies are not getting those things already. And then we try to force our body to process through things that it's maybe not capable of yet, or it hasn't, it doesn't have the fuel or the nutrients to process through them. And then we're left wondering why we're feeling so burned out, why we're feeling so low energy, why we're feeling like we're almost on this roller coaster, this emotional roller coaster. If the end goal of healing our trauma or processing our experiences, as I like to call it, processing our experiences, facing our experiences, coming to terms and acceptance with our experiences, if that is really the end goal, then it's really important to remember that the whole goal is to create safety and stability within the body and within the system. And if we are doing only the mental and emotional work, but we're not doing the nourishment work, we're not providing our body the fuel it needs to be able to physically process through the experiences and the stored things. Because a lot of times it's interesting when you look at fascia research, a lot of people think that all of our experiences are stored in our brain, but that's not true. Science has been showing more and more that we actually hold our experiences within our tissues and different places within our body store different experiences. And this actually shows up physically as fascia, that web-like tissue that connects all of our muscles. It almost shows up physically as like fascial adhesions. And these fascial adhesions aren't just physical adhesions that store memories and experiences. They actually store up other things like junk toxins we're exposed to and chemicals we're exposed to that our body maybe doesn't have the energy to process at the time and heavy metals and hormones and different things that as they are released, they actually release that stuff into the lymphatic system, release that into the system to be detoxified and metabolized appropriately. And there's a reason why when we're emotionally or spiritually working through our past experiences, there's a reason why we physically feel it. And it's not just because it's energetically intense, which it is, but our body is actually processing physical things. Even when we cry as we process those experiences, there are certain types of neuropeptides that are being released in our tears. No tears we cry are molecularly or structurally the same. They all have different types of peptides that are reflective of experiences that we've had our body is actually releasing proteins within our tears that is physically releasing the experience. And so I wanted to go over this before we dive into Thursday's episode, which is a really interesting episode that I've been working on for a while now. I've been working on it for quite a few weeks. It is a very touchy topic, and it's something that I think I've been trying to approach delicately, but it's just a conversation that I think we need to have woman to women. And uh, I think as a community, you know, I think we really are trying to help 
each other rise and really come to the next place of nourishment. And so we're going to really talk about nurturance and dive really deep into why we as a generation are so starving for nurture. It's almost like we don't know how to nurture ourselves. And I've been really thinking deeply about the reasons why. But as we quote unquote, heal our trauma or work through our experiences, it's so important for us to not become a victim of our own trauma or identify ourselves through our trauma, make it a part of our identity, because then physically we're going to want to hang on to it. It's so important to reframe our trauma as experiences that we've gone through that have shifted and shaped our current behaviors and have stored very physically within our system. And so as we bring these things up and as we rewrite these patterns, it is so important for us to nurture ourselves through the process. You know, if I was to give three action steps that I'm just seeing so many people unneededly suffering, I guess that's the way to say it. I don't know if that's like proper English or proper grammar, but I just feel like people are just needlessly suffering. And it's because they really do need to be nourishing themselves through the process. It's so important to be eating regularly, at least having three meals a day. If we can't nurture ourselves on a basic level, we have no business drudging up deep, deep experiences that have shaped us and shifted us as a human being, because it's just going to be absolute hell when we're trying to process those things. We absolutely need fuel. We need nutrients. We need movement. We need motion to be able to process those things. And if we don't have those things, it's going to be very difficult for those experiences to process through our bodies appropriately. And then another thing that I like to bring up is it's so important to remove ourselves from really toxic environments. You know, we as women, we really learn to see ourselves through the eyes of other women. It is so imperative for us to have a community of women that we can rely on that can help us see ourselves clearly and help us really like hold on to a, our sense of reality about ourselves because when we are processing our experiences and rewriting our brain's patterns, we have to be able to have a grip on reality because we don't always see ourselves clearly. Our human nature is to not see ourselves very clearly. And so that's why women and having women that have our back and are like-minded in some ways is so important. And if we don't have that, it's okay. It's going to make it much harder to, to go through the process. But we at least need to remove ourselves from women and environments that are it that are very clearly not helping us see ourselves clearly so i think a lot of times we try to heal from things that we haven't removed ourselves from. And it's so difficult to heal in toxic environments. And I think a lot of us hang on to friendships and relationships that are not serving us and are in fact hurting us, but we do it anyways because we don't want to be alone. But it's so important to find, to create space in our lives so we can find a community that does help us rise and does help our, us see ourselves clearly and can help us establish a strong sense of self. Because at the end of the day, when we're trying to heal from our experiences and rewrite our brain's patterns, we need to do our utmost job of creating as much safety and stability in our environment as possible. Because if some of us have had really, really chaotic, stressful, 
fight or flight type experiences our whole life. Let's say we grew up in a really stressful environment where we were in a, where we were in a constant state of fight or flight. It's going to feel really natural for us to be in a state of chaos, and it's going to feel really awkward to be in a state of peace or calm. And so we need to do whatever we can to create safety and stability. And this is why I think that nourishment is such an important aspect of that. It's such a basic way to nurture ourselves, yet so many of us forget how important it is. It's it's a way to create some routine. It's a way to create some some way to just give a little kindness to yourself. And it's just a basic biological need that we can really praise ourselves for meeting. You know, when we feed ourselves well, it's like, wow, like you did such a good job in feeding yourself today and feeding yourself, showing up for every meal. There's something about it that is a small sense of accomplishment when we're having a hard time or we're feeling really burned out or we're in that state of freeze or we're in a constant state of fight or flight. It can provide some anchoring to get us to a better place where we can do more things that are on our list to do. But the basic the basic first step is sometimes just nourishing ourselves. And that can be the most basic form of nurturance. But I don't mean basic in the sense of it's just unimportant because it can be some of the most important things that we can do. So if I was going to say what the missing piece to healing our trauma is, it's really that we're forgetting to nourish ourselves through it. And we're forgetting the amount of energy that it takes to process our past experiences. Thank you so much for listening to the Fully Nourished podcast. I hope that today's small mini episode on the missing piece of healing trauma really resonated with you. If you're ready to dive deeper into this topic and really have a discussion on what it means to nurture and why nurturing is so important, check out this Thursday's episode. If I mentioned any links or resources in the episode, they are always included in the show notes for your convenience. And if you enjoyed the episode and want to support the podcast, please share it with others, share about it on social media, or leave a rating or review. Anything helps. I really rely on the amazing women in our community like you to spread the word. And with that being said, I also really value your ideas and thoughts about the podcast. So if you have any topics you'd like discussed or guests you'd like me to bring on, please go to justcashwellness.com slash podcast to share those with me. And if you want more content or you want to stay in the loop about new episode drops, follow me on Instagram at Wellness and sign up for my Sunday email at justcashwellness.com slash email dash subscribe. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you soon.